My, I'm like wrecked right now because I I'm staying in Plagiones, which is one of the like best beaches in the world for surfing. So naturally, I'm like I'm so gonna become hard. the next like Blue Crush chip, right? <laughs> yeah, don't you lose your to, arm you or leg to. or whatever. I it's like <laughs> trying to stand on a buoy while getting waterboarded. That's oh what it feels like. Yeah, I've never it's, tried. It's so challenging here because it's just like wave, wave, wave. And like my hands are sore, my forearms, I've got bruises all over my legs, my knees. I'm like, this is intense. Yeah, you're like, I got no, it's, it's, it's tough living in a paradise. I know, right? <laughs> the different yeah. set of problems. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Health Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Ro and I'm here with some special guests and my host, because the other co-host is probably dying somewhere. I don't really know what Nicole's up to nowadays. Uh, so I'm here with Brooke and then our uh, our guest, Tyler. Say hello, everyone. Hey. Hey, hey how's everyone doing? <laughs> Tyler's like, oh, do I just speak into nothing? Yeah, people will hear you, you know? They, they, they gotta, they'll, they'll get your voice and be like, okay, this guy seems like he's pretty cool. Uh, so on today's episode, uh, we have Tyler uh, here, and he's a head athletic trainer for the Orlando City Soccer Club. Um, he's originally from Orlando, so... He went back home after he was done. Uh, he did his undergrad at the University of Central Florida, got his master's at UNM, which is how we met. Uh, and then he's been with the Orlando City Soccer Club since 2019. So three years here. It's, it's a long time. Also, I hate that, you know, you've been living your dream while I've just been like in school. You know, it's like, I got to stop doing this shit. I'm over it. <laughs> Uh, but, You're almost uh, there. I know, right? So so freaking close. Uh, but I'm super stoked to have to have you on, and you know, to to learn and talk more about what it is that uh, athletic trainers do. Because I know personally, uh, we called each other earlier this week. I had I had a question about some stuff, and I was like, I don't I don't really know what ATs do compared to PTs, and like really where they fit in certain organizations. So I, I really look forward to not only learning about that, but like also learning about whatever expertise you may be willing to, to give us about different things. So, um, yeah, thank you for, for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I also know that you do listen to the podcast. Of course we're famous. Yes. Uh, so time you're, first time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're, that's awesome. So you're, uh, you're aware that we do, uh, drink and have a virtual cheers so as the guest i will open it up to you are you drinking anything right now and then if so you know what is it can you explain it a bit absolutely so uh, i'm uh have a, a local ipa called a uh, high stepper from crooked can um so a local brewery here in uh, winter garden florida um yeah i mean it's pretty good gets, gets the job done <laughs> it's like <laughs> good enough i guess <laughs> Dang. and then brooke i I think I started drinking a beer, or was it just out of a beer can, like beer bottle? Yes, I'm so excited. I have, okay. I found gluten-free cervezas. Oh, wow. I didn't know there was a thing. In Costa Rica, and I'm really excited about it, because I love beer, and I love yeah. IPAs, and hazy IPAs are actually my favorite, Tyler, but I can, yes, can't drink go. it, because I can't have gluten because of autoimmune stuff, so I found gluten-free lager, 
Dara Dam is what it's called. It's award-winning, and it does taste really good. It's pretty light for a lager, so like I'm happy. I'm a happy girl. Awesome. Does that mean you're going to be back to drinking beer now? It's just gluten-free beer? Cause Whenever I can find it, I drink gluten-free yeah. beer. Hell it's yeah. great. I couldn't find a beer opener in the kitchen, which is why I was late. So I <laughs> found smart. this adorable, cute Tico to like slam it against on on the, the like a counter and, yep. <laughs> yes. i was like there we go dang okay he's got moves yeah you're like can i get your number that's pretty cool <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah one time casey and i were in arizona and we forgot to pack our fucking uh our bottle opener so we were just going around this i'm sorry this hotel we were at and we we're just trying to smash it on everything like please <laughs> please let there be a hard enough surface and i think we ended up using the like the mini fridge just to open it up. And I was like, we were so desperate for beer at that point. Cause it had been a long drive. We were really tired. And I was like, I'll break this entire place. I don't care. Like I, I need this beer now. I just uh, need my beer. Yeah. And you know, shout out to dad. That's not me being an alcoholic. It's just a long drive. I was going to so. say, <laughs> yeah. you're not helping. Me, <laughs> ah, it's fine. Uh, yes. Let's see. For me, what do I have? This is, um, Another beer that came in that uh, subscription thing, it's a Sandbar Sunday. It's an American wheat ale from Isla Morada Beer Company, and that's uh, in your neck of the woods. It's in Fort Pierce, Florida. So um, cheers. Let's see what it tastes like. I like wheat ales. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's really good. I think there are like hardly t- any times where I drink something, I'm like, ah, that's trash. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. beer's just good. Beer's just good in general. Uh, it's funny, Tyler and I were talking about the first time we met, I went to visit, um, UNM. I was like in a suit. It was way too hot. Uh, in like March before yeah, I, he was way overdressed. Everyone <laughs> yeah, was judging him, but, but that's okay. <laughs> I was scared. I was like, what do I do? It's a PhD program. And then everyone was just fucking lamos. And I was like, oh, it's fine. Uh, but we're sitting in class and I'm like observing this class. I don't remember what it was. And it was Tyler, uh, our friend Zach and our friend Andrew, and uh, I was like, so what? what is it like here? Like, what are, we, what are you doing in Albuquerque? And he just looks at me. He's like, do you like hiking? I was like, yeah, I like hiking. He's like, do you like beer? He's like, yeah, I like beer. He's like, you'll be fine. And that's exactly what it's been for four years, just hiking and beer. <laughs> Nothing else. Well, that and some <laughs> depression, but, you know, I guess that, that yeah, comes I, with wherever. I don't want to scare you off with that. Yeah, you know, first yeah. impression, that, that would have been a good one. You're like, Can't leave. leave that, no. that, that's, actually, that's actually why they never asked me to talk to any prospective students because I'm like, hey, you need to get out of here. You need to leave. This is a <laughs> terrible choice. Go do something else. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is not for the week and uh, not saying you're weak, but you don't look too strong. So. <laughs> uh yeah so you know just a little trip down memory lane there from four years ago uh we do we do have a question of the week um so the question comes from i was working with a fighter earlier today and he said i'm an amateur mma fighter and i've been hearing a lot about how it's not just about mental toughness but also about rest what are your thoughts on this and for a little context um he (laughs) works two jobs right now um is also trying to train uh, his strength and conditioning three times a week, but then also trains anywhere from two to three times working on skills like boxing, wrestling, pads, whatever. And that's kind of just the life of a fighter. Uh, It's very time-consuming, very busy. That's why they're all, for the most part, very fit (laughs) because they have no choice other than to be super fit. Um, But, you know, we were talking about what his coaches kind of make him do compared to 
some of the stuff that we preach at the performance ranch and you know one of his his coaches just believes in like mental toughness and so he'll just like run him through like straight three minute circuits that are like very very tough give him a minute of rest and then continue to do that now i can understand that but at the same time like this is all during like what's supposed to be kind of a lighter training day or a lighter uh skill day and so utilizing like just a burnout of like we're just going to make you mentally tough uh does put a ton of load on you and if you are also trying to practice another skill two times throughout that same day and then two more times for the next four days like there has to be some time where you're like hey coach this doesn't make any sense but it's also difficult because like the coach is the one who's like making the calls you know so uh i guess my advice to him at first would be one understand that like you're a human you have stressors. There's a load that comes from everything, um, which is something that like we're going to get to talking about in, in this episode, too. And you just going balls to the wall every training session is almost never going to be better than, hey, some days have to be easy. Some days have to be hard. And then also splitting up like what your training focus is in, in as far as the strength and conditioning goes. Because if you are always going at 100% in your practice sessions, but you haven't really built an aerobic base or you don't have any baseline strength levels, uh, then all you're doing is really just like hoping that this house of sand doesn't crumble at some point because you have no foundation. Um, and he also, he, he's always eating out. And, and I asked him, you know, like, what's your eating look like? And he said that like, he doesn't really know how to eat. <clears throat> Which uh, part of the reason I wanted to ask this question on here is because, like, Brooke, I know we've talked about the, the saying that I stole from you is, like, bookending things. Uh, but I wanted to, like, see if you could give more insight to someone who is training three to four times a day, four to five times a week, and then also working two jobs almost every day. Yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> She's um, like, oh, people pay me a lot of money for this. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, I, it's tough because, like, you have to be extremely passionate to do those yeah, things. And that's just a lot sure. of pressure on someone's plate. And I think, like, your advice about resting and balancing is really important. When it comes to a nutrition perspective, when you're in those situations where you have two days or three or four, the effort that you make fueling in between training and around your workouts is that much more important. And so I actually can't even take credit for this phrase, bookend your workouts. I got this from working at Virginia Tech Athletics. Gotcha. Beamer ball, go Hokies. <laughs> so, you know, that's just a really good way to remember there has to be something before, there has to be something after. And it's really important and that's just what the research shows. Um, yeah. Intermittent fasting delts can come after me. But when you're training that much, it's that much more important that immediately after training, you're getting in fuel. So normally I would tell someone like, hey, within 60 minutes to, two, you know, to two hours, let's get some fuel in. But it's going to be really important. It's going to have to be really methodical. And so I think just remembering to stack food throughout the day and strategically bookending all workouts and making sure it's really tight right after training. So you can immediately start replenishing, especially carbohydrates, get you ready to go for the next session is really important. And yeah, I would just, I would also, you know, it's 
at first it might feel hard, I think, to find balance with this because it's so many things. But mm -hmm. even just sitting out like the week before and writing out like, hey, this these are my training sessions, like map out a calendar like you would on Google Calendar. Like these are my training sessions and just start to plan like where's going to be all these times I need to be eating and just kind of mapping that out. And it becomes second nature and you're eventually like, I know this is my go-to post-workout. This feels really yeah. good on my stomach before training. But if you have the time, I would map all this out and like give it a go. And just like you do your training, I think if you could make sure you're adding quality nutrition and testing it out, just like you do practice for your different skills, that will make a really big difference in reducing the stress load because you've got the fuel and you're going to feel a lot better with your training. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely just crush Rice Krispies all the time is what you're saying. <laughs> That and it's a really I can good agree tool. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good tool. It's the best tool, everywhere. actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're going to have a sweet potato every now and then. Yeah. No, I, I always love how you talk about that. And like, because it's like really common, it, it should be common sense, right? But at the same time, like people get hung up on like, well, when do I have this and this and this? And it's like, just eat after. All right. Yeah. Something you can handle, especially make sure it's light. So an hour later, when you have to do something else, you're not like, oh man, that full chicken, broccoli, and sweet potato meal is coming up. Like, yeah, what did you expect? You had a full meal and now you're going to go do like hill sprints. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. I do have two. Um, I forget I have this, but I have free resources on my website. So I actually have a free out. pre and post workout training guide. So if someone's interested, we can link it in the show notes. I have a ton of free resources yeah. that get cycled on and off. And that might get the wheels turning because I do think you're right. Like people overthink it and it can yeah. be super simple. Chocolate milk is like a great post-workout snack. Chocolate milk, like, yeah. so, you know, keep it simple. And that might give some ideas to this person or anyone else who needs help with like, what do I do? What should I book out my workouts with? Yeah. Love it. So lately I've been putting protein in my protein in my uh, chocolate milk. <laughs> just as I'm like, I just got to throw it in. So vanilla chocolate, easy. Um, but cool. So let's get into the episode with Tyler. Tyler's just sitting here like, yes, okay, quite. I like these ideas, <laughs> but let this man talk, you know? Uh, so like we said in the beginning of the episode, uh, Tyler's an athletic trainer. And so we're going to ask, you know, all things AT from like, what is it he does from day to day, how he got here? Um, and like, kind of like the standard of care that he gives people and kind of his thought process for that. So, um, I'll let you start off. Can we talk about like your journey of becoming an AT? Where did it start? Is this like a dream job you always had or is it just kind of something that you fell into? And then like working at the highest level, like what is what is that like? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, I, I feel like most people in, you know, the, the medical field kind of have, you know, this classic story of, oh, I was I was hurt. Someone helped me. Right. And that's how I knew I wanted to. To, to do that, you know, going through high school, I, I had no clue what an athletic trainer was. And, you know, I was playing soccer, got, you know, hurt a couple times. And they're like, oh, just go see the athletic trainer. Who the hell is that? I don't know who that is. So I go in and, you know, I'd, I'd always knew I wanted to do, you know, something medical, right? So I go in and, you know, I start working with, you know, my athletic trainer in high school. I'm like, hold on, you're telling me I can do something medical and be around sports right. all the time? Like, where, where do I sign up? Let's do this. Um, and so then, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much right out of high school, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to UCF for athletic training. It's what I'm doing. There's no other option. Like I put all my eggs in one basket. 
it worked out. <laughs> Fortunately, it's good. It's good. that one worked out. <laughs> um, so I, I went through UCF um, athletic training program and then um, decided, hey, you know, let's do do some more school. Why not? Because <laughs> I love torturing myself. And so I, I got a, a teaching assistant position out of the University of New Mexico, so where I was teaching the athletic training program um, out there and then getting my master's in exercise science. Um, and then when I was wrapping up over there, um, I'd gotten a call from uh, from the team docs at Orlando City because I had had the opportunity to intern with them um, when I was going through the, the athletic training program. And I got a call from him. He said, hey, we're starting up our uh, Orlando City B, which is, you know, essentially like our, our minor league team. And he was like, you want to you want to move back to town? I was like, let's do it. Let's go yeah. for it. <laughs> and so I, I spent a, a season with with OCB and then um, I was fortunately able to, to move up to to our first team, uh, Orlando City. Um, during the whole craziness that is COVID, you know, we were in the bubble for nearly two months and all, right. all that fun stuff. I you were in the um, yeah, that was a that was that was fun. <laughs> and yeah, you know, fortunately, I've just kind of been able to to climb the ladder to now this season, starting my first season as a as the head AT with uh, with Orlando City. Hell yeah, man! Look at that. Follow your dreams, kids. Don't let them become memes. Wait, I want to hear more about the bubble. What was the bubble? Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, let's get. So, um, the bubble. So you know, everyone hears about the NBA bubble. Um, you know, all the teams went in. You know, they finished their season, played the tournament, all that. Well, most people don't know that the MLS was also at Disney pretty much at that same time um, doing our own bubble. Um, so we we pretty much the MLS put together all the teams in two hotels and it was just, hey, play this tournament and, you know, last man standing wins. <laughs> and so Some it was interesting. Shit. Yeah, yeah, that's honestly, wild. It, it really was. And, and you know, everyone sees the NBA bubble and they're like, oh, they had everything they could have needed. It was amazing. Man, our bubble, it was, here's a hotel, here's some food, here's a field to play soccer on. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Classic soccer. Wrong, we, we, <laughs> you know? we, we had everything we needed and, you know, nothing, but it wasn't the NBA bubble. I mean, NBA, just in a, another level. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, we went into the tournament, you know, thinking, hey, you know, we're going to we're gonna have a decent showing in this, going to put our all. And with it being in town, we were oh, like, yeah. as soon as as soon as it opened up, um, our coach was like, hey, let's get in there so we can, you know, acclimate ourselves, you know. So we went in pretty much two weeks before the tournament even started, and which honestly worked out in our favor because there was only a handful of teams there when we got there. And... So then we're there, we get out of group stage and, you know, we're, we're winning our group and we're like, okay, this is, this is looking good for us. Yeah. Getting to the knockout rounds. We just kept winning. Our guys were just on fire. Like no one could touch them, which was great to be doing good in the tournament, but how they treated the bubble, it was like a bad game of Fortnite where <laughs> it just kept getting smaller the more you went. So by the end, there's just two teams in like just this one section of, of the hotel. And um, so we get to the final, had a really good good showing. Unfortunately, didn't win. Um, but yeah, ended up 49 days um, in the bubble there. And that was actually my first experience working with our first team was the bubble. <laughs> You're like, so, get me out of here. Yeah, it was a, it was a ba baptism by fire, but, but it was good. Oh it was God, a really good yeah. experience. 
<laughs> man that's crazy and and i know uh your daughter is six months i think if i remember almost six months yeah so that was that was before she was born then yeah but i'm sure yes yeah it was great for your wife to be like hey when you come home you're like if we lose i'm coming but if we we keep winning i gotta stay here it's it's funny because we always say i i think out of all the teams it was the toughest on us being from Orlando, like our families were 20 minutes oh, away right? Yeah. and we couldn't see anyone. And, you know, for us in the bubble, you know, we were, we always complain like, Oh, it was so bad. This and that all the spouses that were out of the bubble, they very quickly remind us you had all the food. You didn't, you didn't have to cook. <laughs> you didn't have to do your laundry. We had, I mean, room service only came by like once a week, if that, but like, I mean, you had your own hotel room, so right. you didn't have to keep it clean if you didn't want to. And like we, we had everything we could have wanted. We had we could hang out with you know our coworkers, our friends, because we're all being tested. We're all in the bubble together. Everyone out of it. It was super early in COVID, so she was like, I couldn't see anyone. I'm just stuck at home. Yeah. So, and and being so close to family, you know, all these other teams are like, oh yeah, my family's you know on the other side of the country, and it just kind of is what it is. But for us, it's like. I could walk home right now if I wanted to and be home. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Dang. That's wild. Well, that sounds like a crazy first year. I assume it's gotten better since then. Like, yes, de- <laughs> definitely. Has. I mean, COVID, I mean, COVID was rough on everyone. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Especially looking at, you know, sports and athletics and how, you know, sports tried to, you know, power through it. And, um, fortunately most leagues were able to do it relatively successfully. Um, but we're we're now finally starting to to get over that peak, and it's yeah. it's looks like we're we're getting to a good spot with everything. So it's yeah, definitely it's a lot better now. <laughs> exciting, and then you know you have uh, the other side of the world kind of going into chaos. Yeah, so. then then you got that. Yeah, hopefully when this episode comes out, things are a little better. But I don't really see that happening. Yeah. But we're here to focus on what we're focusing on, and not geopolitics. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, you mentioned. Um, you know, being in the bubble and, and just working uh, your your day to day stuff. But like, as I said earlier, I when I called you earlier this week, it was because, you know, I was trying to figure out how an organization might use a bunch of different facets of um, uh, like health and performance and how they could like work together. And when I was looking at like the head of AT, I was like, I don't know what ATs do. So, (laughs) you know, if you could talk about like what it is, what it is that you do, and then like the difference between an AT and a PT, because I think in a lot of people's eyes, because in my mind, they were the same thing. uh, A -hmm. lot of people see them as the same thing. But, you know, what are the differences that that make you, you and them, them? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, that, that's always, you know, there, there's this weird feud between PTs and ATs. And always. I, I, I think the two professions were, were starting to get past that because like younger professionals were like, why, why are we doing this? Like we all work together. We have the same goal. Um, but so, you know, a, a, a PT, you know, they're, they're more focused on, you know, evaluating, diagnosing and, you know, treating, you know, they're, they're going through that rehab process and they're generally more specialized, um, so I know, I know you guys have had, you know, some PTs on, on here and, you know, they're, you know, experts in their field, like through and through. Um, when you look at athletic training, kind of like the, you know, the phrase when you're going through, you know, an education program in athletic training, it's, it's always, you know, we're the jack of all trades, master of none. We have to pretty much be able to do everything. 
because um, you think well, you know where athletic training the the demand really started was you know in that sports setting where where you don't have all those resources around you so you know think of like like a high school you have one maybe two athletic trainers on staff that they have to do everything point. Yeah. you know they, they have to do the emergency um, um, care you know if someone goes down during a football game it, that athletic trainer might be the only one there to, to help that person out um, so the emergency care and then still having you know that evaluation that diagnosis that treatment that rehab that's all still part of it um, but we're not necessarily as specialized in that realm um, because we do cover a little bit more of the spectrum um, with that um, so with with us for instance you know we're we're very fortunate to be in a club in a program that that we have a lot of resources um, you know that that we can utilize and so with that we we can kind of start to get away from that classic oh the athletic trainer is the jack of all trades you know every single person on our staff is not expected to do every single task every single day, um, which, which is tough for athletic trainers um, <laughs> to, to kind of wrap their minds around. Cause you know, when you're going through, it's like, no, I, I have to have my hand in everything like that. That's what we do. Um, but so it's, it's been really unique with, with our staff currently is we're starting to kind of just take a step back and realize, all right, we have, you know, right now with, with our first team, we have three athletic trainers on staff and we're going to be having a fourth on staff. Our, our B team has one athletic trainer. Our academy has one athletic trainer and we're hoping to keep growing that department as well. So at the end of the day, I mean, we have, you know, five, six, seven athletic trainers within, a, you know, just our club alone. Um, so it really allows us that unique opportunity to start um, focusing in on different aspects of everything that an athletic trainer does. Um, so like me, for instance, being the head athletic trainer, I'm, I'm more focusing in on, um, for lack of a better term, being like the physician extender, being that connection with the league, being that connection with um, our hospital system, um, our team doctors and all that. And then being, you know, that that initial eval of, of a new injury and um, and all that. Then we have another athletic trainer who's focusing in on on the rehabs. You know, that's that's what he does. Then we have another athletic trainer who's focusing in on the return to play um, with our guys before we pass the athlete on to the strength and conditioning coach before, you know, joining you know, back in full team team training. Um, so it's it's a unique opportunity we have. Um, and unfortunately, you know, not all athletic trainers have that. So they are having to still do everything because that's what's what's needed of them. Yeah, it's like as they're so in shape. <laughs> Yeah, I have a question. So I don't know a lot about how the structures work, I guess, with professional sports, but you mentioned yeah. that you have like a team of doctors. Like, how does that work? Like, there are local professionals that are probably like extremely amazing in their field, and then you guys work with them and like just have like a big referral system for healthcare, or like what does that look mm -hmm. like? Yeah, yeah. So we have we have team doctors who are, you know, they're designated you know, with us for our team, they still, you know, just work, you know, general population as well. Um, but for the most part, you know, if something happens and we need an athlete to be seen, we call them up, you know, we um, communicate that with them if we need imaging, if we need further evals. Um, so we have, honestly, we have a, a whole team of doctors behind us that 
you know, are, are supporting us, you know, pretty much day in and day out. Um, and then even on that, you know, the physician side, we have their network as well. So any specialists that we need to refer to, um, you know, fortunately our, at Orlando City, our, our main sponsor is Orlando Health, which is one of the, the largest healthcare, um, you know, systems here in, in Central Florida. Um, so we have a whole network that we can kind of refer to. And, um, but then once we kind of get down to the club level, um, we have, like I said, we currently have three athletic trainers on our staff. Um, but then with Orlando Health as well, if we need a specialist, um, if we need a, a PT um, who is a specialist, you know, on the, on the pelvic floor or on the foot and ankle or something like that, then we can still utilize those resources as well, because that's not necessarily an area that, that we're experts in. That's so cool. Yeah. Imagine being an expert in an ankle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why do you do that? Uh, yeah. I think that's so awesome. Like, you know, being like a, a, a generalist, I guess, for lack of a better word, because then you get to <clears throat> put your hand in everything, like you said, and you can kind of pick and choose like, oh, that excites me. I'm going to go do that, but then still have the ability to do a bunch of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned that you just moved into your position as head AT, can you talk about like what you do throughout the day? Uh, like your day-to-day stuff, maybe like, you know, talking about how you organize your staff a little bit more and then how that's different from when you were a normal AT. I don't, I don't know how to say that without being like an (laughs) asshole, you know, when you were not the head. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, my, my normal day, you know, we, our staff usually gets in around like 630, each morning, um, we always kick off the morning with uh, we, we have what's called the wall where we have every single athlete um, listed out on the wall. Um, and every day pre and post training, we go through and touch base on every single athlete, um, just making sure. All right. And working in soccer, you know, our, our roster is not that big. It's not football where we have, you know, 60 to 90 guys or whatever their roster is. Um, you know, we, we have, you know, 25 to 30 guys that we're dealing with. So we can kind of focus in on each of them a little bit more. Um, So whether or not they all need something every single day, we at least try and, you know, at least touch on, all right, does anyone know, or does this guy need something today? No. Okay. You know, move on to the next one. Um, So we'll have a quick meeting, run through that. Any rehabs we're, we're going through, we'll, we'll touch base with, um, with each staff member, like depending on the phase of rehab that they're going through, just so that everyone's on the same page. Um, Cause the big thing that we, that we like to have with our department is we're a unified front. So, you know, if, if a coach, you know, does come, you know, to any of us asking, you know, for an update from someone, we should all generally be able to give, you know, a rough update um, of, like of at least, you know, Hey, where they are, this is their plan for today. Um, and then, you know, you know, the coach can, can move on and, and, and be happy with, with that answer. And we can hopefully <laughs> you know, prevent that from, from blowing up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll usually spend, you know, 30 minutes to an hour with that. Um, athletes will usually start rolling in depending on when training is, but somewhere between like eight, eight thirty, the guys will start rolling in. Um, and at that point we'll start doing any, any activations that we need to be doing with, uh, with any of the athletes. Um, because we have, we have most of our guys on some sort of corrective exercise program. Um, so we have, we have a, a movement specialist on on our staff who's a genius of the lumbo-pelvic hip complex. <laughs> and 
he's just like a guru of that. So like, if, you know, our guys come in and we, we can focus in on that, see any deficiencies they may have to try and hopefully prevent injuries, you know, from later, later uh, down the road. Um, so we'll work with them uh, before training, you know, get everyone taped up that needs that, get them all ready to go. Um, then usually they're out on the field somewhere around like 930, 10 o'clock, depending on uh, the, the time of the training session. Um, yeah, then they're they're out of training. Um, our, our rehab um, athletic trainer or return to uh, play athletic trainer, they're usually trying to get some of those rehabs done during the session. Um, so that way, you know, we're not there all day. The, <laughs> the athlete isn't having to be there, you know, all day. You know, they're, they're there when the team's there. So that way, you know, they're, they're involved, you know, they're not completely isolated. Um, Cause obviously that can be a, a big part of being injured. You know, you don't want to, you still want to be part of the group. Um, so usually they'll train, you know, hour and a half or so. Then uh, everyone will come in and um, we'll usually have one or two massage therapists um, on site um, to, to work with the guys, you know, give them what they need. And then um, honestly, after the session, it's just our job is to, give the guys as much recovery as we can, you know, get them ready for the next session tomorrow or get them ready for that game, you know, coming up this weekend. Um, and then usually, you know, we're wrapping up with, with post-training work, I'd say somewhere around, you know, one thirty, two o'clock, um, grab a quick lunch and then, you know, do whatever, you know, projects we have going on, any admin work, um, any communication with doctors, communication with the league, all, all that sort of uh, boring stuff. <laughs> and then, um, at, like I said, at the end of the day, we try and sit down as a whole staff and run the wall again. So go through every single athlete. All right. Any updates? Has anything changed? Did anything new pop up? Do we need to address something with the coaches? Um, and you know, just to set ourselves up to succeed going into that next morning as well. Yeah. Does that change based on like, obviously during the season, but like in off season, do you have people hanging around or are they just like fly back home chilling? Like how does, how does that change being out of the season? Yeah, absolutely. So th this past off season was, a, was a really short off season. So honestly, most of the guys were like, I'm going to take this time. I'm, I'm getting as far away from this place as I can. <laughs> um, now with that, you know, we try and at least stay in touch with them, you know, make sure they're, they're still feeling good. They're doing what they need to do. Um, but in a, a more normal offseason, we usually have um, a decent amount of guys who will be in town for at least part of the offseason because um, where when they go home, they don't always have the resources of a field or of, you know, the recovery stuff that we have here. You know, you know, my staff in general, you know, we we can't go with them wherever they go. Right. Um, so a decent amount of the guys will will stay in town just to keep training. If we have any long term rehabs going on, you know, we'll we'll keep working with them through, through the whole off season. Um, but it slows down a lot, you know, going from where it might be, you know, six 30 to, you know, four or five in the regular season. Um, you know, you're, I try and split it up with my staff. So you, everyone gets a little bit of time off and then you're working more half days, you know, just in when you have to be in. Um, so it, it slows down quite a bit, but I mean, the, the work in sports never stops. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's one thing I've I've uh, realized talking to people, and I'm like, do I really want to do that? I like to do nothing, <laughs> so like, this is gonna be a fundamental shift in, in how I do things. 
I used uh, to think I wanted to be an RD for sports teams, and I even became like board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Oh, yeah, like open that right. door that like I could work for the NFL, I could work for these places, and I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just I, I don't think on I on a beach. Yeah. Yeah, the schedule like is just you are you are really like on all on season, and then you get chilled downtime. It seems like during off season, and it's it's a lot of demand. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. Last episode, uh, we were talking about um, kind of like how how we operate, and I think that's like that's what draws me to it too. Is that I just like to redline for so long, and then like it's off season now, I can breathe a bit. You know, there's like no balance. So I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe I'm actually built for this, but but I guess time will tell. Uh, Tyler, you mentioned the wall and kind of like mm-hmm. everything. You know. Uh, how do you how do you decide like who needs care? Is it just from talking to to the athletes? Do you have like movement screenings that you're going through like all the time, weekly, biweekly, or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you have like do you, like just watch video and kind of see what happens on on the field? And you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna have to work on that next week or something. Like how does how does that thought process work? Yeah, absolutely. So, so at our, our entrance physicals, we, we take all the guys through, you know, a, a battery of, you know, movement screenings and, um, start to kind of try and identify some of the deficiencies, you know, some of the guys might have. Um, and then, you know, once we're able to get that, you know, we kind of try and focus in on, all right, we're not, we're not going to be able to fix every little thing, you know, on, on every athlete, we're just not going to be able to. Um, but if we can have, you know, try and, fix you know one or two things you know within that um so i'd say you know a, a majority of our team we have on some sort of preventative you know corrective exercise program um or just due to their injury history alone you know we'll have them on a preventative program um you know to set them up to succeed you know knowing hey you dealt with you know x y and z last season we know you know the you know the leading factor of injury is history of an injury. So then we can say, all right, well, let's attack this now. Let's set you up to succeed, you know, for the entire season. Um, so usually that, that pre-training, that pre-training activation is more of, you know, those guys, those guys we've identified, all right, you you don't have the best movement. Let's, let's try and help you with that. Um, you know, your, your glutes aren't firing properly. It's, you know, putting more demand somewhere else on your body. Let's, let's try and fix that. Let's try and prime you. So that way, when you go out on the field, we're setting you up to succeed out there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, whether it's those movement deficiencies, injury history, you know, we're trying to, um, you know, just prevent that from happening later on. And then obviously, you know, big one, if they have anything they're battling at that moment, then, you know, they're definitely going to get, get some attention as well. Sure. Yeah. So, wow. Excuse me. Sorry, headphone listeners. Uh, So I know that like you talked about how your job, you kind of act as like the team physician. uh, I I don't know. Extender, I think is what you said. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the ATs are I think they're really cool because you are playing part physician, part strength and conditioning. So like in your mind, like in in your perfect organization, right, where would Mm -hmm. you put? ATs like how much care are they giving and when are you sending that off and then how much strength and conditioning or supplemental work are you doing before you you know are like hey now it's your job as a strength coach to to continue doing this like 
you know, mm-hmm. and then where, where do you think that in your experience, the biggest holes still are that hopefully are filled either through leadership or more money or, you know, whatever? No, absolutely. I think it's the answer to that will definitely change, you know, with ATs at, at all the different levels. Um, in the professional setting where, you know, we, we have the privilege of having so many resources, um, us as athletic trainers, we can really kind of just focus in on, all right, that, that injury prevention, that rehabilitation process. And then now when we're looking at more of that, you know, optimizing them on the field, you know, we can focus and lean on more of the strength conditioning coaches to, um, to focus on that aspect. Um, and with that, you know, I mean, we have the privilege of having a nutritionist on staff, of having a sports scientist on staff. Um, so it it allows us to not have to worry about, you know, how are we collecting, you know, the GPS data, um, you know, from from the the GPS pods that they're wearing out at training or in the games. You know, we we can just get it on the back end and be able to look at that load. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about you know, what, collecting the data of the athlete's USG or their body comp, because, you know, our nutritionist is doing a great job of, of staying on top of that and providing that data for us so that now as a whole team, you know, the group approach, now we can take care of that athlete of um, the way that, that they deserve. Um, so I think that, that that's big for us in that regard of um, it's, we're, we're one department and we try and stay as that and and present ourselves as that for the athlete um but now when you're looking at you know an athletic trainer in you know maybe a smaller university or a high school or something like that where maybe they have a strength conditioning coach if they're lucky um but there there's no nutritionist there's no sports scientist there's no pt that that they're coming on site to, to help them with anything so now that individual is having to do everything um and like I said, maybe they have a strength conditioning coach. So, you know, once that athlete's functional and healthy, great. You know, a lot of the strength conditioning coach do what they're they're best at and and optimize this athlete now and keep keep them fit, keep them healthy. Um, but fortunately, you know, in, in the in professional sports, we're we're able to kind of focus in more on that um, on that aspect of the rehab, the injury prevent, prevention, and the biggest one that we're really trying to focus in on is is the recovery because I mean, every, every single team is on the same schedule. Everyone's playing on the weekend, you know? Yeah. Maybe it changes Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who can recover their athletes the best, who can keep their starting 11 on the field consistently. Um, so that's been something that that's been really big for us to, to try and lean in on, on, on this season. This man gets it. He gets I was it. Say, like this is it's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. Such a good point. <clears throat> yeah, I'm like this is it's and you know, unfortunately, I guess fortunately for for you all, uh, like you and in the team, it's that you get it. But there's so many organizations that are just like still old school, where it's like, nope, we're just gonna keep working hard, and you know, head out. Like, you know, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. And, and going to like some of the dietitians too, like I, that's awesome. You mentioned that your dietitians are doing uh, USGs or doing body weight. Like mm-hmm. that's awesome because so much of that like falls within their realm. Like why not also give it to them? And I know mm-hmm. that there's a couple organizations where 
the dietitian just like is in charge of the kitchen that's in in the clubhouse and then for providing like pre and post snacks like that's it and i think that if that's what you want to do great like you find your job and you're like fuck yeah this is easy i I know i can do this whatever but there's like so much more that a team nutritionist can tap into and that's because i've i've talked to people like brooke and i have like friends that are that are rds for other teams and it's like yeah you guys have the ability to do so much and as long as like you take that maybe not you take that initiative but the organization sees that then they can give you those resources but like that's awesome props to props to Orlando city soccer no, club, honestly, honestly you know, to, to your point the the nutritionists are 100 percent the unsung heroes like <laughs> Just like you said, like, you know, our, like, our nutritionist, she, she <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, to your point, you know, she's having to, to run the kitchen. She's making the menus for every single meal, yeah. you know, and, and we're giving these guys, you know, at least two meals a day. If we're on the road, we're giving them three meals a day plus snacks. And she's having to coordinate all of that before training. Nearly every single athlete has a, has some form of pre-drink or pre-shake after training. Every single athlete has a post drink or a post shake so that, you know, to the point you're making Brooke, you know, within, you know, that first, you know, 15, 30 minutes, you know, they're getting, you know, nutrition pumped into them right away. And again, to help them recover quicker because, Hey, we're doing the same thing tomorrow, guys. Like we have (laughs) another game this weekend. That's not changing. Yeah. It does not Um, ease up. (laughs) Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, she's, she's collecting the USG. She's doing body comps, you know, once a month to, to, track our athletes you know it, i mean they do so much work behind the scenes unsung heroes through and through yeah i, love, I feel I like the, the best organizations that you see being really successful in their leagues like they're on the cutting edge of sports science like it changes so much with nutrition mm-hmm. and exercise and we have these like new modalities or things introduced and i think the ones that like really value it and they're like they're going down those rabbit holes and they're che- they're checking these things and they're just doing these tests like th- there's a reason that they're such successful teams and also you know if any big wig um sports teams are listening from a dietitian that cares really food service is so hard that should be a separate role like food service dietitian managing yeah. making menus managing the kitchen and then having like sports specific I'm, I'm working with athletes for their care like because that's it's a lot yeah either that or just bump their pay up (laughs) you know pay these people (laughs) even more (laughs) yeah it's tough you know it's funny though and this is from like the the flip side of that coin is i remember talking to uh (laughs) this when i was with the cardinals they there was an athlete that was on the steelers and uh he was talking to another athlete that had been on steelers a couple years back and you know we had like that staff there was this was great the especially like the the medical staff and they're like yeah you know over there uh they don't they don't they don't have massage this they don't have that you come in it's hard practice you leave and they expect you to do that stuff like on your own and the Steelers are perennial winners you know they haven't had a losing season since like 2003 or something they have the second most amount of uh Super Bowls in like the history of football and 
So there's also something to be said about like just like coaches being like, "Hey, I don't give a fuck. You come here to work. <laughs> you come here to win." And they're like, "Yeah, you're right. I come here to win." And then you just don't do anything related to food, science, recovery, and then they're winners. So like, but I definitely agree that you know, like if if you're like a a lesser talented team and you do that, then you're there's no way you're gonna keep up because a team that is stacked with freaks and like great coaches can get by with all of that. But if you stack those people with the scientists, the nutritionists, the great medical staff, then it's like, well, barring any sort of freak accident or just, you know, any given Sunday or any given whenever soccer and baseball and basketball games are played, like those people are going to have a, a larger chance of winning, winning at all. Cause they can just kind of, deep dive into stuff like that um but yeah pay uh pay the scientists and the nutritionists and the ats and the <laughs> coaches. i know they got the money man <laughs> like i know <laughs> i've seen i've seen the budgets um yeah but uh i think that that's awesome uh that you talked especially how it's it's very different coming from high school to college to professional because you're right. Like if you have a, a director of sports medicine performance that is able to kind of take all this information, synthesize it and be like, you're doing this, 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 this. I trust you all do your thing. It's working. And someone who's just like, I don't know, I I do four different things and uh, it's I get paid like I'm doing one thing and it just is what it is. Then you miss out on a lot of like the stuff that someone might be specialized in that may, may get you over the hump, uh, depending on a lot of different things. So that's a great insight for sure. Um, so we did talk about day to day. We've kind of talked about like screening and, and what the organization looks like on game days. First of all, how often mm-hmm. does that happen in the major league soccer season? And then like, how does that change your day to day procedure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a, a traditional season, which the past two have both not been because of COVID. <laughs> right. Um, is usually you know one game a week so usually the weekend um you'll have an occasional midweek game trickled in there somewhere um but then you'll also have um what's called the u.s open cup which is pretty much every single professional soccer team in the u.s so that's mls usl um usl league one so pretty much any tier of professional soccer can play in this tournament and um, so that goes on through throughout the season. So it's kind of spread out throughout the, the whole regular season. So you'll have those midweek games occasionally. Um, so it's not uncommon to have, you know, three games within eight, nine days, you know, when, when you're in the, the heart of your season. Um, but the normal week is usually one game on, on the weekend. Um, and... I was rambling so much. I don't remember what else you asked. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. So what happens? Like, what do you do during game day? I guess is, yeah, is uh... absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, game game days. I mean, that's that, that's when the fun happens. I mean, you you've gotten the the team ready. You've gotten them there, and it's it's time to time to perform. Um, so it's it's fun, man. Um, it was weird work like starting in the league during COVID. Cause you know, you know, we were going to these stadiums like Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta where they fill that thing and it's empty. 
Uh, there was no weird. One. That's so weird. And I'm like, this, uh, this is wrong. This is not right. Um, but fortunately, we're past that. Yeah. And so I mean, game day energy is it's it's so much fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, and but so with that, you know, kind of how how our staff looks. Um, there there's two ats on on the bench. Um, always that's our requirement. Um, and then at every home game, we have a doc on on the bench with us. And then we have what's called the, the venue medical director um, who sits at, at the fourth official table. So they sit at midfield and they're usually staffed by the home team, but they're supposed to be, you know, a neutral party. So that way, if any major injury happens for either team, that physician is, is responding um, because there's not, unlike the NFL, um, the team physician does not have to travel with the team. They're always more than welcome to, but like I mentioned before, you know, our, our docs are also working a full-time job yeah. on top of helping us. Um, so it's it's not always realistic for them to, to get away to, to every single game. So how does that, how do, so let's say a player goes down and it's like mm-hmm. minor compared to like something that's pretty traumatic. Like what, what is, what is your role in the event something like that happens? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, especially after, um, I don't know if everyone saw it, but um, what happened with uh, Christian Eriksen with um, with the, the, the Dutch nat- national team, um, a non-contact, sudden cardiac arrest. He just went down, he just dropped. Um, I mean, that's, that's the type of stuff that myself, my staff, our docs have to be prepared for. Like, yeah, you'll always get, you know, the hamstring here and there, you know, you know, someone's, you know, rolling an ankle, getting hit. I mean, that's easy enough, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have to be prepared for, for that, the more severe cases. Um, so fortunately, you know, at, at every game, there, there's a EMS crew on site that is dedicated to the field. Um, so the fans and all that, they, you know, the stadium has one for that as well. But we have one crew that's just dedicated to the athletes on the field. Um, and like I said, there's at least two doctors at every game. There's two athletic trainers per bench. So there's at least four um, on the sideline. And there's only 22 guys on the field. So our, our, our ratio there isn't, isn't too bad. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a decent ratio. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, it's one of those that if, if, it's, if we all obviously suspected something bad enough, then we're going all hands on deck, you know, as, as soon as we see something. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just something that, that we, we have to be prepared for. And that's one of those things that I, I sort of, uh, um, that, that emergency care is, is, a a spot that I'm really passionate about. Um, and so it's something that, that I take really, really serious, you know, making sure that everyone's on the same page, the league makes it mandatory. You know, we have a, um, a meeting with both medical, um, staffs before the game with the EMS crew, with the referee staff. So that way everyone's on the same page, you know, we're, worst case scenario, we're, we're prepared for that. Love it. Man. I definitely terrible. like, I laughed to myself a bit when you're like, we have these like 
superhuman people that have been training for this and they have the, their EMS team. And then we also have one for the drunk fans. Like, yeah. They have their yeah. own. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they're, on, they're probably getting hurt more than more than the athletes for sure. <laughs> people throwing bows and yeah, fists. Oh, man, <laughs> gotta love drunk people. But one time, Mark told me he's an assistant strength coach at the Cardinals. So we never complain about the fans because they're the reason we get paid. And I was like, yeah, all right, yep. that's a, that's a good point. Yep. It's a very Facts, good point. Yeah, absolutely. So Tyler, no, nothing better than walking into a, a hostel. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's nothing fair. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people are just like, oh. <laughs> They're they're the reason we hate. And you're like, okay, yeah, I know. That's why. Isn't like, isn't soccer I, like isn't soccer known for like having the some of the craziest fan bases around the world? Yeah, it's it it, can, sure be, it can be pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know that here in here in the yeah, so the Mexican team and and Mexican fans like that. That's who I grew up watching. So they're like my number one team when it comes to. The World Cup, even though I was, you know, born in America and am by all accounts an American, uh, but they they had this saying where they would, uh, when the the opposing team would would kick off the ball, uh, they would they would say a certain word that I'm not gonna say on here because like they they took it out, they changed the rules so that you can't yep. say that now. Uh, before like because I think. <sighs> When you like translate it to Eng- when you translate it to English, it does come out as like a as a slur, like a homophobic slur, even though that's like oh. not really like what it was meant to be as. Um, but I get it, you know, it's offensive to some people, whatever. But the entire <laughs> the entire stadium would scream it out, you know, at this one person kicking the ball. And so you know you're a part of that, and you're like, yeah, this is great. Uh, and then you step back, and you're like, oh man, is this mob mentality? No, like, wait, oh, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is how people do things. Uh, so yeah. yeah, like you know, that, I mean, that's I mean, to, like part of the hostility, I guess. But go uh, ahead, Tom. Sorry. I mean, to, to put it in perspective, our our support group for Orlando City, um, you know, as a unified <laughs> front, they're called the Wall. Um, but there's, you know, they're broken up into two separate groups that kind of come together to form one group, but the, the main group of it, their name is the ruckus. So <laughs> if that, if that preface, oh, yeah. <laughs> preface is what they are by any means, then yeah, for sure. That's great. Yeah. We're, we're going to, um, to Spain this, this summer and they don't have any FC Barcelona, uh, games going on, but I want to at least go by the stadium just to be like, wow, this is, this is where like. The ruckus happens, yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah, European leagues are some to. some crazy shit. <laughs> uh, so Tyler, you've talked a lot about like your experiences. So for anyone that's like listening, especially like younger listeners who are like, I want to be an AT or like maybe have thought mm-hmm. about it or or someone who is like undergone a life change and is like, I'm 40, but that's what I want to do now. Um, mm-hmm. like, what sort of advice can you give to them that like maybe you could have used when you were younger or just like things that you've learned in the past three years to kind of get them or help them get to that point. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's a really good one. Um, honestly, first and foremost, the profession is always changing. So it's athletic training is a really, really young profession. Like it's really only been recognized as like an allied health, you know, profession in, I think it was like, you know, the early nineties. Um, and, Within the past couple of years, you know, when I was going through, it was an undergrad, you know, you go to undergrad and you're, you're an athletic trainer. There you go. But now it's entry level master's degree. So now you at least have to do 
undergrad and then masters two extra years to even be entry level athletic training yeah which is really good for the profession you know because it it raises the bar you know they've they've made the education a lot more challenging so you know i've all of interns who are you know going through the program you know same program i went through at ucf but now it's master's degree and i'm like damn y'all are learning that like in the program like Oh, okay. I got to step up my game a little bit more now, huh? Um, but you know, honestly, it's it's just one of those like I would tell anyone go, going through is like seek out opportunities. Don't just sit back and say, "Oh yeah, you know, my professors, you know, will, they'll tell me what's best," or my preceptors who I'm working out, you know, in my clinical site, they'll, you know, they, they'll tell me, they'll they'll guide me. That's that's all I need to do. Um, but if you like take it, you know. In, under your own control and be like, no, this is what I want to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. Like you're just going to set yourself up to succeed. Like, and if you go in day in and day out, just prepared to work and to learn. And because the cool thing with athletic training is you, you have to do clinical rotations, like, Mm. because it's a clinical profession. So yeah, you, you have the book work, you have to sit in class. You're not going to get away from that. That's still going to (laughs) happen. But then, you know, you, you spend, you know, there's one semester where you're not in person with classes. You're only out working as an athletic trainer with your preceptor. And so if you make the most of that opportunity and ask questions, you know, continue to grow, continue to learn and, and set a plan for yourself, because when I was going through, everyone had the same plan you did undergrad and then you said, okay, I'm going to go be a GA somewhere. That's not an option anymore. Because right. <laughs> now for grad school, you're doing athletic training. Um, so, you know, now is that, you know, a professional internship, you know, whether that's maybe, you know, not getting paid as much for a year or two, because you, you need to get that experience. You need to build that network, um, which sucks to say, but um, it's one of those where you, you kind of have to, you know, look at it and hope for the best, but just take it under your own control and just freaking run with it. It's like dietitians, right? It's like, Hey, you need the 2000 hours. <laughs> no ifs or ends about it. And you're like, okay. And I got to pay okay, you. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> I was listening to like this advice. I'm like, this is super solid advice for really any profession, especially yeah. <laughs> like if you want to be doing something cool and like out of the box and it's not the norm. I'm sure for most ATs to work, for a professional sports organization like you do, um, is that, I'm, I, that's my, I guess, I guess my assumption. So if you want something like that, you got to hustle for it. You got to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing is I had a student come up and he was like, this was uh, last week. He's like, Hey, just a question. Like, you know, how, how did you even get the chance to like get an internship with, with things you've done? And how did you get working with fighters? And I was like, you know, some of it is like you just you meet cool people on the way. Like we met Evan. Evan's a good friend and we talk a lot. And he was like, you want to come do this? Like, fuck, yeah, I got time, you know, whatever. And the other part was just that it's like I literally walked in and was like, hey, like I, I want to do this here. Like I want to work with fighters here. This is what I can offer. And then it was like, oh, OK. Like it, there, there was no job posting for like, so we're looking for someone like sports specific, you know, it was just I walked in and said, this is what I want to do here are my qualifications. And that was it. And so I told the student, I was like, yeah, you know, some people, it's like, you know, knowing people sometimes, but also like, you just, if you really want that, you're just going to be able to like, 
eat shit for like a long time and hope that along the way someone says like yeah i remember you know isaac i remember tyler i remember brooke and they're like hey you did a great job like how would you like to come back and and then you just are like oh fuck yeah i'm set like i can i can go up from here but man a lot of people don't get that call because they're just like yeah it'll come it'll come it'll come and then they just don't do anything about it so uh, I think it's great that your hometown person called you. You know, you're from Orlando and you get someone from Orlando yeah. being like, hey, like, we remember you. Like, do you want to come through? And you were like, of course. Like, if I got any call from somewhere <laughs> in Chicago, I'd be like, I am there next week. <laughs> like, for Let's sure. Let's go. <laughs> Much to the dismay of Casey. But um, yeah. One final thing. That, that's oh, what, what was really cool for me as well was like, it was really that realization of, you know, when I was an intern, I had the opportunity to intern in Orlando in 2015. I was like, I, you know, I, I think I was an okay intern, but like, I just, I was there. I worked, kept my head down, did what I had to do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it was that connection. It wasn't the athletic trainers who called me because, you know, athletic training staffs had changed. That's how professional sports works sometimes. Um, you know, it was, it was the team doc who was like, Hey, I remember you, you worked hard. You want to come back. Yeah. So sometimes it's it's the people you don't always expect. Yeah. And they're you know the and those might be the people that say, hey, I have an opportunity for you. So you always yeah. show up and you always work. Like <laughs> my uh, my my grandfather used to always say, your work is a direct reflection of your character. And like if you put mm. all of you into it and you build those relationships, that's how you become successful. And I feel like that story of like how you got that role is an absolute testament to that. Yeah. Yeah. And then people, it is like that other one where it's like people always make, they won't remember what you do, but they always remember how you made them feel. And it's like, mm. oh yeah, like, yeah, he's smart, whatever, but he was a good person to be around. We had good conversation. Like, that's why people remember you. So I'll probably, I'll probably feed this podcast to my students. So students, if you're listening, cause some of them want to be ATs, <laughs> that's why you ask questions in class. That's why you study for exams because you never there know you like go. where even your professors are going to end up. And they'll be like, Hey, I remember you wanted to do this thing. Like, are you down? You know, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's great advice. Now, one last thing before we go, mm-hmm. I assume you are cheering for the U S team at, for the world cup this november how far do you think they're going to go because i think they're getting a lot better uh definitely this has been their best showing but canada's on the uprise i think mexico's kind of taken that step backwards which i'm not happy about but like do you see them getting (laughs) out of the group stage i know it's hard because you don't know the groups yet but and then yeah you know do you think that they'll finally have a step forward or it's going to be the same classic usbs (laughs) I, th- I think they definitely make it out of the group stage. I, I think as long as they play how they have been playing, yeah, I think they make it out of the group stage. On you know, unless you know, God forbid, we get the freaking group of death or something. That always, like that. always a group of death. Yeah, it's and bad. it's like, oh, you're Belgium. playing against Portugal, <laughs> yeah, Spain, Portugal, and Brazil. Yeah. Good luck. Like, okay, yeah. well, I guess we're done now. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I think they make it out of the group stage. I, I think they'll have a decent showing. I mean, you know, we gotta be realistic. I don't, I don't think they're gonna. Right, take they, it to the final, yeah. win the World Cup, <laughs> yeah. but but I think they'll have a really good showing. the 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 talent and the young talent they have right now is is, I mean, it's it's the best the team's ever looked, in my yeah. opinion. Like, yeah, I think that the the feeder programs are finally paying their dividends because it's like now it's like oh yeah, you have like it's not that like Christian is is a 
he's a generational talent, but it's not like one that's going to happen every 40 years. But it's like, oh, the way this is built, like hopefully there's another one coming up and another one after that. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you look at, you know, soccer and the rest of the world and like they've they've been established forever, forever. But you look at soccer here in the U.S., like, like Orlando City, for instance, we've only been around i think this is what maybe our seventh or eighth season mm-hmm. and like yeah you know there's some that have been around from when it started back in i think it was like 1994 or 95 but like even then like that's that's not even 30 years yeah. yet like yeah. we haven't been developing you know high caliber athletes for that long yeah. yet and now you're starting to see you know these guys that have come up through these programs that are now playing over in europe and balling out and then coming back and playing for the national team yeah so i think it's 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 trending in the right direction for sure it'll be exciting to see what happens it will be and then you know maybe maybe i'll have to be like oh i guess i'm a u.s fan now or at least like they're number one yeah but (laughs) i couldn't do that to my ancestors but uh yeah i think that that they should do uh they should do well don't shake your head i think it's fair right i think it's fair to say that um but cool uh thank you so much Tyler, for taking time to to come on i know that like it's 8 30 your time and then Brooke, it's pretty late, and I'm sure you miss the sunset, which is like a daily thing now. Uh, I don't see the it sunset was worth, ever. It was worth missing my sunset <laughs> celebration. I really enjoyed this conversation, so thank you, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's no, great. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Now I know what ATs do too, so I'm like, oh yeah, no, I have I have better insight. Um, but yeah, I go. like when you're when your students ask, you'll have more of an answer. <laughs> yeah, I'll or you'll say, just be like, here, just uh, call Tyler that, and that, ask him that, or I'll be like, so check out episode 51. Um, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, let's pump these views up uh it's part of the reason i want to do it as well but honestly like uh obviously like i i love to to cheer for my friends and stuff so i hope that the uh the soccer club has a great season uh this season and and that you get to reap those benefits and that you play obviously i know you play vital role but like hell yeah here's to a good season that starts uh in a couple days that. so when this comes out hopefully you still have a, an undefeated season and then you just kind of keep rolling. rolling. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to do our outro right now just so that, you know, the boring stuff can get put out of the way. But, uh, <laughs> So we're all still currently accepting clients. I know Nicole wasn't here. Um, she had her client calls. So we obviously, she takes her clients very seriously. She's great at what she does. Uh, and she uh, focuses on health at every size and intuitive eating as a dietitian. So shout out to her and hit her up if you'd like to work through her. Uh, I am also, for right now, in uh, still accepting clients. I focus more on exercise and performance. And then Brooke is a dietitian specializing in healing the gut microbiome to solve digestive and hormonal symptoms for athletes and active adults. Um, follow us at Health Unfiltered Pod on Instagram. Keep the awesome questions coming. Um, and even if like you're a listener and you never want to like put it in, but we have conversations, uh, ask me and then I might just throw it on here because that's where a lot of our, our ideas come from also. Uh, rate us, share us, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, like we said last time, Spotify does have it opening up. Rate us on there, rate us on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, Apple Music, wherever you get your stuff, um, because that helps us. And we love doing this. And, you know, we talked about how last episode was our 50th, and that's awesome. And so you're our 51st, Tyler. Way to be the first of 
you know past 50 um and then uh yeah we uh we look forward to the to the next episode and hopefully next time we have you on you you can like flash us your your championship ring and be like yeah you know like it was a pretty decent season so <laughs> Big <deal>. yeah yeah <laughs> i'd be like can i i'm going to orlando let me get some ticks real quick um but thank you all for listening we'll catch you next time and then brooke do your thing cue that music <laughs> all right peace out everyone